Hello and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. This podcast is kindly sponsored by N200 GES, our smart event solutions partner. For more information on N200 and its smart event solutions, visit n200.com. The podcast episode that you are watching was first broadcast on Tuesday the 11th of April. Uh, Unfortunately, due to a slight technical problem with our live stream that evening, uh, the stream itself went out, but the recording of it um, didn't start until a few minutes in. Um, This podcast episode talks about event ROI, and specifically what we're looking at uh, in this particular episode is whether exhibitors are killing their ROI by capturing leads in the quote-unquote normal way. A company called Captivate claimed to have taken a very different approach to lead capture and in doing so identified that companies are killing their ROI because their process hasn't evolved. We were joined by Brian Anderson, the company's co-founder, who joined us from Edinburgh to discuss this particular subject and we pick up the episode a few minutes in with Brian answering, I suppose, what is the normal way, first of all, in their eyes of lead capture and how they identify what ROI is. When you actually look at ROI and and what it what it means, return on investment, ultimately what companies are looking to do is 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 seek some sort of return. But is that even achievable? I mean, are we still a bit blinded and a bit misled by the whole notion of of ROI? Is it is it something that I suppose if if you forgive the bluntness of the question, is a real thing, because there's a lot of people in the industry who have argued even recently that ROI is actually something that maybe is not worth even even focusing on, because depending on the nature of your business, it's so difficult to measure. Yeah, especially well, when you when you factor in marketing people who would talk about something like brand exposure. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to mention there. You know, at um, at your colleague Adam's event tech talk a few weeks ago, um, mm. there was a question by a, a member of the audience, I believe, who wanted to understand whether they could get or, or whether they could calculate a return on investment when the types of events that they were running were educational events for their colleagues. Now, yeah. you know, I that's, that's not my line of business, and I can't think of easy ways that they can calculate that. However, where I work is um, the, the return on investment is is clearer because it's revenue or it's qualified sales opportunities, and so it's it's much clearer what you're getting back. Now, you can understand what you're investing. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're calculating your costs and the amount of time and, and resources it takes for your team to work an event and to follow up. And as I've just mentioned, in our line of work, you can calculate what you get back. But one part of your question there was about you know taking the time to 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 really work it out, and there are the question is so deep that ultimately you get to a stage where you should probably try and calculate it to a certain extent, but but probably not kill yourself trying to do so. Like if okay. you can work out as a as a business that you know you're you're maybe influencing sales opportunities at these events. And you're not killing yourself, and you're not your money isn't going down the drain. Then perhaps that's good enough for you. You know, there there are huge companies out there who have lots and lots of resources to spend um, 
calculating whether they get return on investment, and and even they can't do it because the the larger they are, the more complex their sales cycles are. You know, how do you know whether one touch point you had with a potential customer um, really influenced um, an opportunity that was going to close way down the line with a colleague who works in a different office? You know, so there's so many rabbit holes with that question that you could keep going and and ultimately never get to the bottom of it. However, for me, yeah. that's not an excuse to you know not approach it at all. There are ways. Glitter, for example, they, they released a spreadsheet uh, just a few weeks ago that makes it easy to get some idea on whether your um, events are, are providing a return. And if you're not taking you know, basic steps to get a rough idea, then um, arguably, you know, that's that's the first step. That, that, that's interesting because you'll forgive me for sort of um, coming in with any sort of pre-loaded ideas about what we may be talking about this evening and, and looking at what your company does and particularly looking at the the idea for this topic and and uh, and what we spoke about in advance. But I very much felt that you would be be really sort of pushing and pushing and pushing that ROI is 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 vitally important for everybody. But interestingly, you do seem to be taking this angle that actually it's, it's horses for courses in some respects. It's not going to be right for everybody, but for the people that it is right for, the processes and that slightly different way of doing things that you, you've identified could actually help you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think everyone should. Um, attempt to work out whether they are getting a return on investment on all of their marketing channels. You know, by just just not doing that, um, I don't know anyone who doesn't make the the most basic attempts to work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's tools now to make it um, much much easier to do. My point was more, don't don't exhaust yourself trying to do it. Um, or, sorry, don't exhaust yourself trying to take it as far as you can because ultimately you're, it's very, very difficult to get a 100% cast iron view of is everything you're investing into this marketing channel, be it events or anything else, you know, is that returning more than what you're spending or is it returning 3x, 4x? I mean, if you take something like email marketing, for example, yeah. you know, that's regularly seen as being one of the highest ROI marketing activities. And however, like if, you're, um, if your email subscribers were to first get on your list because they met you at an event, well, does that mean that your events cost also goes into your email marketing cost? Or if they clicked on your email, um, and then bought something from your website, can you directly attribute it to that click? Or is it perhaps, I don't know, maybe the Kardashians also tweeted about you that day? There's just so many rabbit holes that you can go down. And so I think that absolutely everyone should attempt to um, to look into it. But, you know, for for every hour that you spend trying to calculate your ROI, you should probably be spending three or four hours trying to improve your ROI next time. So just use it as a benchmark, and then the next time you go to an event or the next time you, you run a marketing campaign, look at your own internal metrics and try and better them. And that's time that's probably well better spent than you know looking for that extra little bit of granularity from your ROI com- uh, calculation. So, th- so this but, but sounds things, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong in, in how I've interpreted it, this is, this is a case of 
not getting bogged down too much in what ROI is and how to identify it and the metrics and all the rest of it, blah, 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 but actually looking at the processes that you use to try and identify it and changing yeah, the processes rather than change how you analyze ROI. Yeah, I think if you can come to a company-wide decision on how you're going to attempt to calculate that and and agree that you know that's going to be the basis for your benchmark, if you're a, a more junior level marketer and you need to speak with your, your CMO or your, your directors to, to do that, just everyone agree um, how you're going to calculate ROI and then you know, go through the process of calculating it for every event or or every marketing campaign, but mm -hmm. almost put that process to bed for the year and just focus on getting those results and then spending time trying to better them because that's ultimately what matters is improving your performance as opposed to, you know, really drilling down and, and measuring it. So we've got a few people... Um who uh, I've noticed have, have joined us after tonight's podcast has started, Brian. So I suppose just to um, just to bring them up to speed for anybody just tuning in to tonight's, uh, tonight's episode, is we're talking to Brian Anderson from Captivate. We're talking about the subject of, of ROI um, and whether or not the process or the, and the historic process of, of lead capture at something like an exhibition um, actually leads to... Um, killing their ROI and what we've done so far is we've asked a question I suppose what is it and identified you know is it is it a bit of a what's the correct phrase for this one Brian um, something that's a little bit misleading ROI and are people getting too bogged down in it I suppose is, is one way of looking at it and by improving the process of capturing the leads at the first instance and dealing with those in a better way, are we giving people at least a fighting chance of analyse what it may be? Um, I'm curious to go back to the point uh, that you were making that you touched on, Brian, that there are now so many variables involved um, when you're trying to analyse ROI. It's not just the investment of somebody that somebody would make paying for an exhibition stand. So let's say, for example, the cost of the stand itself is £5,000. We all know that then on top of that, if you're going to do three days at somewhere like the NEC, you will have hotel costs involved in that. You will have staffing costs involved in that. You will have the fact that your sales staff are on a stand there rather than doing their day-to-day -day sales activities. And you then have the cost of the sales staff following up all of those leads outside of their day-to-day -day, uh, prospects and things that they're working on that weren't generated from the exhibition. So with it becoming such a minefield, let's bring it back to the process that you guys have developed and how it differs from the traditional process and, and what, what you're trying to do differently and what you're trying to impart process-wise on your clients? Well, you know, the, 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 the process of calculating ROI is always going to sit with the client. You know, we're just a supplier and so we can only, I guess we can advise them, but they generally already have their own, you know, their own processes for, for calculating ROI. Um, you know, we work with sophisticated clients and uh, they know how much um, these events cost and they also know what goes into those costs. You've mentioned some of the things there. And so we're not necessarily trying to change the way that they calculate ROI. We're, um, a, a lot of what you're talking about is referencing a blog post that, that we've written. And um, we're essentially trying to, to let them see that just going through the motions and capturing leads the way that they've always done 
is actually detrimental to the ROI that they will get, not necessarily how they calculate it, but it's detrimental to the ROI they will get because there's holes in that process. So, um, you know, if you capture 400 leads um, at an event and you're not going to speak to any of them or, or you're not going to attempt to speak to any of them until three or four days after the event, then when you think about it, if you're speaking with a, a high-level prospect and they're walking the event floor for five, six, seven hours over three days, then they're probably going to be contacted by 20, 30, 40 vendors. And they're not going to remember you. They're not, you, you can have the best follow-up email, um, but they're, just, they're going to struggle to remember you because they're back in the office and they're, you know, they've got 400 emails because they've been off emails for a couple of days. And so rather than, than trying to change how our clients calculate ROI, we're just trying to get them to see that these default processes that a lot of companies use to capture leads aren't doing them any favors because it's the same as what everyone else is doing. And by just blindly following those processes, they're actually hindering the ROI they do receive as opposed to changing the way they calculate it. Um, the beauty about this, uh, about doing this live stream tonight, Brian, is that um, the people who are tuning in at the moment are able to submit their questions. We've actually got a question that's come in just whilst you've been, been talking about the last little subject. Um, and I'm going to fire it at you here and see what you make of it. So if we take a typical exhibitor, which typical job profile would in reality use ROI percentage as a determining success metric anyway? So I guess... You know, if you've got a big exhibition stand or booth that's manned by a lot of different salespeople, are any of them really bothered about ROI? What, you know, which which person within a company and what sort of job title or job position or job profile would use that metric? Sure. Um, so I can only speak from 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 my experience, and so we're we're speaking with a lot of demand generation marketers. Um, and these are people who, if you look at their profiles on LinkedIn, they, they maybe not even mention events. Um, but these are people who really are in charge with, in charge of, sorry, generating demand for their companies. Mm -hmm. uh, because they have fingers in a lot of pies across online and offline channels, they really know which channels are working um, best when it comes to generating a return on their investment. So demand generation marketers are. Are, are a good one. Field marketing managers in, in my line of work are also a good one. Um, we've actually found that the event marketing managers are certainly the ones that we've spoken to are, are so busy with the day-to-day -day logistics of setting up, organizing, and um, reviewing events that they often take a lead from and maybe a marketing director when it comes to, to generating return, sorry, calculating return on investment. And so the event marketing managers themselves, I mean, there's, there's been a few who are really, really interested in the, the business results of, you know, what happens once their leads are, are transported back to HQ. But a lot of the event marketing managers themselves are, um, are certainly the ones we've spoken to, are, are just so caught up in, in the day-to-day -day running of it that they'll only look at return on investment maybe every three or four months, you know, when they're back in the office and they've got a prolonged period of time to, to look into that. Um, 
I, I'm going to find the right way to phrase, I suppose, this ne next question. But if processes improve throughout and we, we find better ways to capture leads, identify which ones are the strong ones, which ones are the weaker ones, and we follow, follow them up as efficiently as we possibly can, is there a scenario where one day we can abandon even having to contemplate and look at ROI? Because we'll deal with the leads in such an efficient way that we just we know instinctively that that show's been a success. Um, personally, I don't think you'll ever be able to abandon that. You know, I mentioned the demand generation marketers before, um, and I mentioned how they're in charge of this whole range of tactics um, that companies can use to, to drive demand for their products. And so mm. the people I'm speaking to are interested in events because events uh, consume quite a large portion of their budget, but they're also doing SEO, um, Facebook marketing, LinkedIn marketing, you know, any number of other tactics. And so even if we were to optimize our event strategy um, and our lead generation strategy at events until, you know, we're absolutely delighted with it, then events as a channel still has to compete with all the other channels that are available to a marketing director. And if efficiency in those other channels is increasing you know, even more exponentially than we're seeing our events um, efficiency increasing, then arguably events could, could still be in danger because a dollar of investment spent on LinkedIn or a dollar of investment spent on, on Google AdWords or what have you might generate more return and then events you know, wouldn't be a worthwhile part of their marketing mix. We're talking on tonight's podcast uh, to, to Brian Anderson from Captivate. Um, tonight's podcast kindly sponsored by N200 GES, our smart event solution partner. Visit N200.com for more information. And don't forget that you can uh, tweet us questions via at Event News Blog using the hashtag EIN Podcast if you've got any questions uh, or thoughts, indeed, and opinions on tonight's uh, episode of the Event News Podcast um, with Brian. Um, I suppose you've been very gracious so far, Brian, I should point out, in answering some of the questions and, and really sort of keeping things very, very um, uh, neutral. But what we should do is, is allow you perhaps the opportunity to, to just look at Captivate and exactly what it is, what your solution is and what, what the system is um, and how that's actually implemented by somebody who would be utilising this at a live event. Um, let's, let's just have a look at this um, very briefly and, and perhaps that will also put into context some of the stuff that you've been saying tonight and where your experience falls from. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, t t t tell us about it. Well, uh, you know, I think one of the ways that, that, that I've been thinking about, so, so we've been talking about the, the default way of capturing leads. Um, mm -hmm. And that works for you know, certain types of companies. Um, if you, so, so we've been speaking with companies who sell, maybe sell is not the right word, but who, we've been speaking with software companies and they go to exhibitions and they, um, they want to speak to, to software developers and teach them about using their software. But at the end of the day, there's not a, there's, there's not a sales process there. What they want those software developers to do is, is go back from the event, go to their website, download the software for free and start using it. And so 
your, your traditional um, lead capture process probably isn't going to work there. Your salespeople aren't going to contact these people because, you know, there's nothing to sell. And so a traditional lead capture process isn't going to work for those guys. And our lead capture tool isn't going to work for those guys either because that is a lead generation process that is right for their business. You know, something I, I know that um, a lot of your viewers will be familiar with Polkin. Um, it's a it's a lead generation system where you just you know you scan your badge. It's all automated. The prospect is sent content. They can consume that content. You know it's very hands off, um, but it, it it works at scale. And for a software company who are only looking to get developers interested in using their software, they're not going to invest sales manpower and and you know helping push that along. Something like that would work for them. Now where our system comes in is the opposite end of the spectrum. If you have um, sales opportunities that, you know, you're maybe spending tens of thousands of dollars to get in front of high-level prospects and a scan of the badge is, is not really sophisticated enough for you, then that's when you might look at something like Captivate. So let's say, for example, that, um, you know, maybe you have you're a B2B marketer and you have a couple of hundred target accounts that you want to get in front of. Mm-hmm. Now, when you engage with one of those prospects at the event, the little line item on the spreadsheet that says that you've checked in at the booth, that's not really worthwhile for you. And where you could do something like Captivate is if you have a you know, a defined list of questions that you need to understand um, the answers to, to help your team really sell into this account that you may have been trying to get into for you know, 10, 12 months, then you can capture that data at the booth. It's synced into your Salesforce account. The rest of your account team who've been working with you and cracking that account can, can all see that in, in real time. And it's just a, a way that's, um, we've been saying that's a little bit more sophisticated of a way to crack into big accounts that you might be meeting at a trade show as opposed to just blindly scanning their badge and then waiting for four days after the event to to have a sales guy reach out to them without any context about what was discussed at the booth. What about in the scenario that somebody simply hasn't got time to go through that process? You know, somebody's walking out the door at five to five, they go past your stand, they think, damn it, that's the one company I wanted to see. That's exactly the product I want. And they just literally just said, look, scan my badge quickly and send me some information. Because what, what if they don't have time to go through that, that, that process? That's where the old-fashioned badge scanners do come into their own is when you're that busy on the stand or the visitors are that busy that they just want the scan, send me the information. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're not saying that, that you would only use our tool. You know, our tool is a, is a, a mobile application that, um, you can use at, at any event, um, but it, it's not to say that you should only use that tool. In fact, just yesterday I was speaking with a, with a, a lady in California who isn't very experienced um, with regards to, to, to doing trade shows, and she asked, um, you know, should should she save money not hiring a badge scanner and use our tool instead? And I told her that that probably wasn't the right thing to do because. You know, we are hoping that her booth is going to be busy at the event, um, and if she's using our tool, as you've alluded to, and it, it is a little bit more involved of a process to, to capture that lead, you know, the last thing she wants to do is have her head in our tool um, scanning uh, or, or capturing a, a 
smaller number of leads when there's loads of people there who just want to be sent content. And so um, a lot of the companies that, that, that we work with have this kind of dual pronged approach of for the very best or the most engaged leads, okay, they want to take that little bit of time, they want to maybe capture some in-depth notes and have it go through to Salesforce, but for mm -hmm. the rest, just scan their badge. And in and, and a way, that, that's helpful for the sales guys because they know if someone just had their badge scanned, then they're maybe saying that they weren't ready to speak to sales and then those leads can be sent through Marketo or HubSpot. You can nurture those leads automatically um, because you know that there was a separate process for the leads that, that were more engaged, that did want to speak to a, a specific salesperson that has experience in their industry. Um, and for those leads, having a, a different process is, is something that, that they appreciate. And when you talk about different processes, it, it, you alluded earlier to the fact that you were in, uh, you were at the um, Event Tech Talks recently that that looked at this um, the subject of ROI. And in actual fact, that Event Tech Talks was was called Lead Generation 2.0 and ROI. Um, and lead generation being about empowering anyone that enters your show or event with smart technology to enable them to have a better experience and putting them in control of their own leads, be that exhibitor products, content sessions, et cetera, et cetera. Does the stuff that you're doing with Captivate very much sit in with what people are you know, calling this lead generation 2.0 in terms of empowering exhibitors? Um, so we we think it, it it empowers exhibitors absolutely because it it gives them options that they perhaps didn't have before. You know, mm -hmm. as we've talked about in the past, if, if the only option you know ten fifteen years ago for you was was to take business cards, then you know you had to do it. Um, but but now um, you know there's there's tools out there that exhibitors can use in addition to the, the technology that's provided by the organizers. Um, and if that works better for them in, in certain scenarios, then then absolutely they can use it. And, you know, marketers are used to doing this now. You know, all their, all their tools that they use on a daily basis that are outside of the event sphere, you know, they're all interconnected. And so if that's what they're used to using um, and they want something that they can use at their events that they can control and, and take to every event, then, then they're going to do that. You know, one of one of the things. Sorry. No, 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 no. Carry on. It's it's, it's prompted a question. Um, there's a question coming from one of our listeners, um, which actually dovetails perfectly with what you just mentioned there, um, on, in talking about systems that are used outside and, and and processes that use outside an event space. And the question that came in, um, and, and I'll paraphrase it because it's quite detailed, is how is a lead generated at an event um, different? or benchmarked against a lead that might be generated in the field or via a digital channel or via an advert? Um, is it the same? Is it better? Is it cheaper? Is it more expensive? You know, we spend a lot of time looking at ways to identify ROI through leads generated at events, but seemingly companies don't spend that much time looking at where leads are generated elsewhere. Well, I mean, there, there's quite a lot to that question because you, you know, a lot of companies will will argue that when you're meeting with a a prospect um, at an event, some of those meetings will result in leads, uh, and some of those meetings will result in essentially targets or or names. 
You know, if you um, if you come by my stand at an exhibition booth and you just want my swag and I scan your badge, then a lot of companies that I speak to wouldn't wouldn't even call that a lead. And so you've got this this kind of concept of of you know names on a on a spreadsheet and and some of those will be leads and some of those will just be bits of data that you you throw away and and you never look at again but that's the same across every channel you know I th i'm sure we've all gone to a vendor's website because they want to learn more about a topic you know i did it the other day when i wanted to learn more about about salesforce i signed up for a for a white paper on um, on the ins and outs of, of Salesforce campaigns and, and this company look at me and think oh he's a co-founder of a company he's a lead I'm never going to buy that company's offering it's just yeah. not right for me however they have fantastic educational content I'm now in their database am I a lead am I a target am I, am I just an email you know there's a whole section around that, that that comes to the fore before you even start to work out what happens further down the sales funnel as they become, um, you know, more qualified. It's um, we should uh, once again just give a shout out to um, to the uh, to the Twitter uh, feed tonight um, at Event News Blog. If if people want to get involved and and uh, and throw any opinions or thoughts out there, hop onto Twitter. Be uh, interesting to see after tonight's episode and even in the next week or so. Um, the feedback that we see from people who may listen to this after the live broadcast tonight. Um, so yeah, at event news blog is the Twitter handle. Use the hashtag EIN podcast um, to get involved. Um, what one other thing that I was I was curious to ask from your own point of view is: Are you targeting this service uh, and what you guys do very much at organisers to feed down into their exhibitors, or are you trying to target this to exhibitors? Because presumably, from an efficiency point of view, if you can promote what you guys are doing to organisers and get them to feed that down, that's going to be better for you guys. Or are you working on both strands? Um, at the moment, we're focusing on exhibitors, um, and there's a there's a good reason for that. Is these are the the companies that that put up the money. You know, we have we're speaking with companies that spend millions and millions of dollars um, every year on events, and so if we can help them um, optimize that spend, you know, get a better return on their investment, then um, you know they'll be very happy with us, and um, you know we'll we'll help spread the word. Now. Further down the line, um, is this something that exhibitors could, uh, sorry, organisers could use as well? Yes, perhaps. Um, it, you're right. There's economies of scale of, of you know, our tool being distributed through the organisers down to the exhibitors. But at the moment, you know, we're we're just a fledgling company. Um, we feel that if we can provide value to the exhibitors um, and you know see how things go from from that angle. Then it's something that we may look at in the future, but for the moment, um, you know, the exhibitors are and the event marketers—they're the ones who are putting the money up. They're the ones who want to see the return. That's ultimately what what our goal is—is is to try and help them get a better return. And so, um, organisers might help as a distribution channel, but the, the people we are ultimately trying to help are the exhibitors themselves. Um, you did mention earlier on that uh, you were speaking to somebody in 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 the USA uh, recently. Um, 
have you have you done much business and and are you talking to a lot of uh, potential clients or existing clients over in the US or are you predominantly working in the UK? Uh, believe it or not, we speak to more people in the US than we do in the UK, um, which is which is fun for me being on GMT time. It means I get to do <laughs> a lot of um, 9 p.m., 10 p.m. calls. Um, but yeah, a lot of the companies we're speaking with are in the US because. Um, I guess just the, the economies of scale over there, there are way more events for, for these companies to, to attend. Um, and so uh, most of the people we've spoken to in the UK have actually come after reaching out to their US counterparts because a lot of these companies are headquartered over there um, and I'd say US uh, lead the charge and um, certainly with the companies that we've spoken to, the UK and the European counterparts are more operational. They, um, they're the ones who put into practice um, the strategies that you know are being decided over there. What, what, how does it work as a comparison between the US and the UK in your experience when you're talking about this particular subject? Do you find that it's something that the US US people as a whole and and, and people who are working in marketing over in the US want to get bogged down in ROI and, and want to look at it in, in more detail than people in the UK? Is it quite easy for you to say, yeah, they get it, but they are a little bit more of a struggle? No, I, I don't think you can, um, by and large, I don't think there's a, there's a lot of difference between um, between the UK and the US when it comes to that. You know, we've, I mentioned a little bit before, but you can speak with, um, you know, some events people who are, are just happy to continue doing what they've always done because they feel it's working for them. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they, they've, we all know that events people are exceptionally busy and, and they've got enough on their plate and it's working for them that, that you know, that's, that's what they want to continue doing. But someone with the same job title in the same city working for a different company, you know, they could always be looking to, to innovate and, and look at new techniques and new tactics. Um, so I wouldn't say that it, there's much difference between the UK and the US. Um, it really depends on maybe the, the organizational characteristics of, of where these people are working. The, the fulcrum of tonight's uh, podcast is, is ROI. And on that note, if somebody's looking or if you approach a, a potential client of your own about utilizing your service, what that's going to do is essentially add an extra cost to them going to a particular event. So you then become a criteria and a statistic within their ROI. So when, when you're looking to cost it, how does it work for uh, a company who may be wanting to utilize your service? How, how would they identify your own cost against what it's going to cost them to, to go to the show? Is it per lead? Um, is there a fixed price or a package price that a client would be charged to use your service? Uh, well, being honest, we're still trying to work that out. Um, you know, we're a software as a service business and everywhere you look, um, software as a service businesses are, are uh, generally offered as a, a monthly pricing point. Um, mm -hmm. And for the companies that we're approaching, you know, a lot of them do, um, you know, events every month and so paying for a, a tool that helps them at every event they go to every month and um, that works but the the lady I was speaking to and um, that I mentioned before um, she does two events a year 
and so she's she's not going to sign up for a, for a monthly a monthly contract and so she wants to use her tool to optimize the investment that she's um, having in this event that, that she's going to next month um, and you know we'll we'll create a, a package that, that works for her there um, that means that she won't have to, to, to sign up for you know a monthly a monthly uh, subscription and and uh, I know it's, it's it's perhaps not ideal for you to, to plug anybody anybody else but is what you're doing with Captivate a unique offering at the moment or are other companies and 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 lead capture companies cottoning onto this idea that the whole process does need to be refined and made into a more efficient beast um there are there are other companies um who offer tools that event marketers can take to every event you know we there's there's a lot of um industries out there where the organizers I mean, less so now, but where the organizers maybe don't even provide technology for the exhibitors. If you're going to a smaller event um, and you're sponsoring that event, then then maybe you don't even get um, like a, a lead retrieval device. And so there are there are other tools out there that um, companies have used to essentially capture data, the equivalent of like a Google form, for example, where they're yeah. just typing in information yeah. into um, into a form field, that information is synced to, to somewhere else and then they can retrieve it at a later date. So there are definitely tools that, that exhibitors can use outside of the tools that are provided by the organizers um, to, to capture leads and engage prospects. Brian, we should, uh, before we wrap up uh, today's episode, because we are getting towards that time where we need to br bring things to a close, unfortunately, um, but this tonight has very much been one of those subjects where we could probably talk for hours and hours no doubt and 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 things will keep flowing and I'm sure it's going to be a subject that we will touch on again because it's it's clearly a subject that in the industry as a whole is getting looked at at the moment and there are differences of, of opinion in in how and why and should we and shouldn't we um, before we do start our roundup of tonight's episode Brian um, tell us how people can can get in touch with you guys um, give us your website details and, and we can uh, we can get people over there if they want to have a look at it yeah, sure. So the best way to get in contact with us is through the website, and it's captivate.com, like captivate, but with a U, which is always fun trying to explain that over the phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, captivate.com. Um, our, our website's there. That's the best way to get in contact with us. Excellent, and uh, and we'll we'll tweet uh, we'll tweet some links out as well via at event news blog so that uh, so that people can head over and, uh, and 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 check you out, Brian. Um, Brian Anderson has been our guest this evening. Um, Brian is the co-founder of Captivate. Um, he's joined us on the line from from Edinburgh. Um, thanks to the people that have tuned into the live stream this evening and submitted the questions. Don't forget that even after the live stream tonight, this episode will be available to watch via eventindustrynews.com and an audio version will be available to download uh, and listen to via our iTunes uh, podcast channel. So head over there. If you do want to put any questions, thoughts, opinions uh, after uh, this live stream is finished, please do so. It's at eventnewsblog is the Twitter handle. Use the hashtag EINpodcast. On next 
next week's uh, podcast, we're going to be um, talking to the founders of the Sunfall Festival. This is a new festival in London, um, and we're going to be having a chat to them to find out a bit more about it, how it's come about, where it's going to be taking place, and uh, and see what those guys are up to. Um, tonight's podcast uh, is sponsored by N200 GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on N200 and its smart event solutions, please head over and visit n200.com. Mm-hmm.